Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August the 30th, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 102, beginning with the first paragraph, Why Sit with a Long Face, reading through two paragraphs ending in God Will Keep You Unharmed, and comments will be on both paragraphs. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Lauren N., the 12 Traditions, Allison E., and readers of the text are Marcella M. and Jen A. The share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, August the 29th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 11,849. That's 11849. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 11,850 or 11850. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lauren N. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, this is Lauren, and can I be heard? You can, go ahead, thanks. We, 12 steps, number one, we admitted we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to make, take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you, Lauren N. And I'll now ask Allison E. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Allison E. from New York, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters, affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Allison E. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 102, beginning with the first paragraph, why sit with a long face reading through two paragraphs ending in God will keep you unharmed, and comments will be on both paragraphs. And Marcella M., will you please get us started? Um, Sure. Can I be heard? 
You can. Thank you. Beautiful. Uh, my name is Marcella. I'm recovered in Boston. Um, why sit with a long face in places where there is drinking, sighing about the good old days? If it's a happy occasion, try to increase the pleasure of those there. If a business occasion, go and attend to your business enthusiastically. If you are with a person who wants to eat in a bar, by all means, go along. Let your friends know that they are not to change their habits on your account. At a proper time and place, explain to all your friends why alcohol disagrees with you. If you do this thoroughly, few people will ask you to drink. While you were drinking, you were withdrawing from life little by little. Now that you're getting back into the social life of this world, don't start to withdraw again just because your friends drink liquor. Your job now is to be at the place where you may, you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere if you can be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on earth on such an errand. Keep on the firing line of life with these motives and God will keep you unharmed. Uh, my name is Marcella, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. So these I love these paragraphs and these two suggestions to increase the pleasure of the occasion and to attend your business enthusiastically. These have helped me so much. If I'm in a, in a happy reunion and we're looking at my holidays pretty soon, if I'm happy, what is my job? My job is to increase the pleasure of those there. Uh, what is it to increase the pleasure? It oftentimes looks to devote my undivided attention to somebody. Some, I mean, I, I love children, so sometimes it's devoting my undivided attention to children while other people are eating. And, and it never fails. Like everybody says, nobody notices that I'm not eating like they do. And, and they, everybody says thank you at the end of a happy occasion. At my workplace on Wednesdays is big eating time because that's where staff meetings happen. So what do I do? Attend to my business enthusiastically. So where everybody is, you know, eating the goodies that they get. So I am networking like crazy. I'm just going from one to another to another to another, sharing my information and asking for some. And, and, and that's my job. As to go to different places where I can be of maximum helpfulness to others, incredible things have happened in my life because I speak Spanish. And people are inviting me all over the world. I'm, I've, I've gone to many countries already, and, and, I'm, and I'm going to, I, yes, just like a week ago, I was invited to Madrid. Now, you have to understand that I'm Mexican. My English is imperfect because I'm an immigrant. And, and I don't know that real, like, super incredibly grammatically correct from the royal dictionary of that house of Spain kind of Spanish. <laughs> so my Spanish is imperfect in Madrid and my English is imperfect here. And yet that's the proof that it's not me. It's never it's never me. Has never been me. It's the higher power who shares the language of the heart. If you're in the vicinity of Boston, we're putting together a five hour meeting face to face of visionaries in November. And it's never been me. All my sponsors I, I'm always, I've never been asked to go to sordid places, all the contrary. All my, my sponsees have always been way more worthy people than I am, way, like in many different aspects of life. And, and, and so, which is to me the living proof that it's not me. It's the higher power which is real. I never apologize for not eating in front of people. I never apologize for bringing my lunchbox to happy occasions because I'm not normal. Just like people don't apologize for wearing glasses, 
or hearing aids or a wheelchair, I don't apologize for my lunchbox or for not eating. I'm not normal. I'm different. And we got all that. Thanks. Thank you, Marcella M. And now the lines will be open um, for those who'd like to share on what Marcella read. Chrissy G. Lisa B. Janice P. Lisa B. Janice P. Okay, I've got Chrissy G. Oh, Kim G. Melissa. Okay. Okay, this sounds great. I have Chrissy G. Lisa B. Janice P. M. Kim G. And Melissa C. So, Chrissy G., you're up, followed by Lisa B. Hi, this is Chrissy G., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New York. And I, this, I love this topic because I am, you know, I'm, I think I'm pretty brazen about my recovery and what I can eat and what I can't. And I, I have, I absolutely have no shame about it. I, you know, I realize. I had a very public kind of bottom. So, you know, I, I was anorexic and everyone in the neighborhood noticed and every, well, my friends and my family and everybody was very aware that what's going on with Chrissy, what's going on with Chrissy, you know, and, and it was like, I guess something, something happened in a good way from that from me and it just taught me you know really like the jig is up and even going even going through my my fourth and fifth step inventory so much of what i what i pretended other people should see me as it really it melt it melted away and you know i kind of just come as i am in life you know and I I went on vacation just recently with my boyfriend's family and I just, you know, I just, I brought my food to restaurants and they were really nice. We were in Montana and it was funny because I Googled, I'm vegan and I Googled vegan restaurants in like a 30 mile radius. It was like nothing, you know, and I just, I brought my tempeh, I brought my tofu, I, I did what I had to do. And you know what? The best thing that comes from that today is that I I learned to laugh at myself. You know, we make jokes about it. Um, And it's the best. It's the best thing. You know, I don't have to have so much pride and shame and everything doesn't have to be hidden. And it gives me an opportunity to share my my story with people. And and if I can be helpful, that's, that's the whole point, isn't it? The point isn't that I look a certain way today. It's that I'm useful today. And I'm able to hopefully be an example to people, even if it's just a, a planting a seed. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. And Lisa B., you're up, followed by Janice P.M. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for your service. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I love this reading um, because my job now is to be at the place where I can be of maximum helpfulness to others. And coming from a background of being only a taker, really, that's all I ever knew. You know, I come from a place, uh, a self-centered place, really, um, living from always, what am I going to get? You know, what are you going to do for me? And not even knowing that I was operating that way. And when I was reading this reading this morning before the, the, the meeting started, the word that kept coming through my mind was through, through, like God works through me. And I was thinking, you know, in Bill's story, it says faith has to work 
24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. And then I was thinking in how it works, uh, that wonderful fear prayer um, where it says instead we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. And then in uh, into action in step 11, you know, it talks about were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life. So all these things are about uh, being of service, being helpful. You know, I, I never knew what it was to be helpful. What it, helpful, it means giving or ready to give help. And then some synonyms would be beneficial, valuable, advantageous, fruitful, worthwhile, constructive. I was like a tornado, you know, whir- whirling in and out of lives, bringing chaos. So none of these things were familiar for me, and it only was through doing the 12 steps. It's not like I'm this saintly kind person. It's not even me. You know, it's that faith working in and through me, helping me, helping me to be helpful to others. And I learn every day through doing my 10 steps, through doing my nightly review, um, you know, how I can be a better person. It's not me. None of it is me. And that's why this is just such a gift. This past week of listening to all of you share about the fruits of the spirit that happen as a result of getting recovered and living in these steps and learning through these steps how to be helpful. But I have to remember my life depends on it. It's that step one memory and knowing that's ingrained in me why I need to be helpful to others because it's that selfishness. It's a bottomless pit for me, that selfishness. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. And Janice PM, you're up, followed by Kim G. Well, thank you, and good morning to you and to everyone. My name is Janice PM, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Yeah, why sit with a long face? Well, I used to always do that before I completed these steps and worked these steps every day. I was full of self-pity. Oh, I would whine and whine and whine. But, you know, I can honestly say today that I am a winner, and I'm not a whiner. And, you know, I'm going through some grief, you know, situation. And, um, you know, the third part of this step says to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I give you an example. Um, you know, yesterday I, I, I was grateful. I went out. I had my nails done. And, and I entered the place, and, you know, the poor woman that um, um, does my nails, she, I guess, the the appointments were mixed up. There was a Janet, and then there's me, Janice, and they were in the same time. And, um, you know, she came from, an, a, you know, further part of town, and um, she said, oh, gee, you know, blah, blah, blah. She, This is the second time it happened, and, you know, I had two hours. I was grateful. I was grateful, and gratitude for me is action. And it just came. I didn't plan this, and I'm not telling you this for goody two-shoes. I'm just telling you how it happens. I mean, previous to recovery, I would go, oh, gee, you know, i I got to have my nails and feet done and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I could hear her, her sadness that she just got out of work and she lived far away. And I said, well, why don't you just do her? And I'll wait an hour and because I had the time. And, um, you know, um, she was so grateful. To me, that's that's what people see. Not, you know, um, that's, you know, attraction, I believe. And, and, she, and I felt so good. I felt better than her that I could do that. 
And it's all because I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for the gifts, not only for my abstinence, but my recovery that I can show this. Because, you know, today I'm a servant of my higher power, whom I choose to call God. And to me, that's my job. Um, And it just comes because, you know, it didn't come before because I would be, like it was said, the bottom line is it's not the, my problem is not the food. It's my selfishness. It's my self-centeredness. I would say, oh, gee, my son drove me, and now i got to wait. I can't even leave. That didn't come into my head. And, you know, that's recovery. That's not me. And um, I was a demonstration of uh, what this program does. And these people don't know what's going on in my life. And um, But I, the, the action that I did uh, came to me, and it was so easy. It wasn't even – I, I didn't even think that I was doing anything because, you see, I'm a servant. And that is job. My, that is my higher power's new job for me. I didn't whine. I was a winner. I had joy. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice PM and Kim G. You're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I love this line, but it also makes me sad. It says, while you were drinking, you were withdrawing from life little by little. Now you are getting back into the social life of this world, but don't start to withdraw again just because your friends drink liquor. You know, and I think back to my own experience. You know, my mid-20s, I was living with my parents at 8 by 10, my childhood bedroom that's bubblegum pink painted with my holly hobby furniture, and almost every Saturday night, I'm sitting there reading romance novels, watching TV, and binging my brains out. My life has become so small. But I have to tell you, even coming into Overeaters Anonymous and trying to use OA as a diet program with group support and trying to uh, live on abstinence only, you know, a few years later, I was in an apartment because, you know, not buying your binge foods, you have more money. But most Saturday nights, I was sitting in my apartment watching TV and reading romance novels and just not binging because I was terrified to go out into the world. You know, it talks about in Bill's story that food is my master. One of the things I had to realize was that food was my master regardless of whether I was eating or not eating because every decision I made was based on getting to the food or avoiding the food. So if I'm in in Overeaters Anonymous and I can't go to a family function and I can't go to a wedding and I can't go to a restaurant, you know, is that really a program of attraction? Janice kind of mentioned that, you know, our eighth tradition is a program of attraction. And I thought that meant because coming into OA after a couple of years, I got down to a size four, I bought blonde hair and I bought green eyes. I am now an attractive uh, advertisement for OA. But I have to tell you, how attractive it is if I can't go to social events, if I can't go to family functions. You know, if I go to restaurants and I am in absolute terror or don't go to them at all, I can tell you I'm embarrassed sometimes going away to restaurants with people who are abstaining only for years where they're yelling at waiters, yelling at waitresses. God knows I've yelled, get the bread off the table because I am, I am absolutely dominated by food. Avoiding people, places, and things, the anger that I would project because abstaining only is so, it's so painful. Having to control where my family went for, for restaurants and vacations and movies because I can't be around the food. I can't be around people. That 
it's not a program of attraction. Why would anyone recommend OA? Please, I'm begging everyone here, don't settle for that in Overeaters Anonymous. Because let me assure you, to the core of my being, I know I am a compulsive overeater. But let me also tell you, I do not suffer from compulsive overeating, not because of abstinence, but because of the 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And Melissa C., you're up. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, um, you know, I just like I just returned from this camping trip, um, and um, I was with a ton of people and lots of food and alcohol, you know, and I don't I don't partake in either. And um, you know, I I can't sit on a vacation feeling pouty, you know, and um, and I could go there, you know, I could go into like self righteous, judgmental position, looking at what everyone else does and and thinking I'm superior to them. Um, Or I can go um, with joy. You know, I can go and actually um, live the message. You know, people notice um, in my circle, people have noticed um, the physical transformation because it's pretty pretty extreme. Like, Like someone had said early on, it was public. My disease was really public. So the the physical um, transformation is, is public, and and it definitely gets a certain level of attention, which um, is good if it's useful. You know, if I sit there with a long face on, who's going to want what I have? You know, and so um, I found myself on this vacation, and um, God bless you know many of these adults. Um, their boundaries are blurry by substances. And I realized um, partway into the trip that I did have a real purpose for being there because I can demonstrate um, sober, food sober living, alcohol sober living, and I can do it um, in a way that, that's pleasing. You know, I'm not the adult there. Um, there was a lot of teenagers there, and they're watching. And I realized um Boundaries were being crossed with the teenagers. And, and why was I there? What was my purpose for being there? Um, because with me, the boundaries are pretty clear. You know, they're getting clearer every day because, because I'm clean. You know, because I'm clean and I'm working a program. And, um, you know, and so I can go there and be unharmed. And um, uh, people that are in my circle, they do know that I eat a certain way. They they see me bring my food places, my little bags of veggies, and my weighed out measures of protein. And you know, many of the dinners were um, were things that I could eat had they been prepared a certain way. And all it really required on my part was just noticing what they were putting on the meat. And if somebody brushed, you know, a barbecue sauce on it, and that you know, or whatever things that I couldn't have. I had a quiet solution. I had stuff for me. I packed my food. You know, it was non-negotiable. But I didn't carry on, and I didn't make it a big deal. Um, and hopefully, you know, that, that brought pleasure to other people. I was actually there to increase the pleasure, not take away the pleasure. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And just to let everyone know where we're, where we're, um, what we're studying today, we're um, in the chapter Working with Others on page 102. We're reading the first and second paragraph, beginning why sit with a long face and ending God will keep you unharmed and comments on both paragraphs. And who else would like to share? Melissa C., 
from Boston. Russ Larry Larry K. Larry okay, K. hang on. I got Nancy, Katie, Russ, Larry. Did I miss somebody? Leia S. Leia. Harlan G. Harlan G. I'm going to stop us, Harlan. Okay, so I have Nancy P., Katie G., Russ M., Larry K., Leia S., and Harlan G. Excellent. Nancy P., you're up. Hi, thanks for letting me share. Um, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, everybody really nailed it today. My, um, I, I don't sit with a long face, and I don't hesitate to go anywhere. Um, but one of the reasons I don't hesitate to go anywhere is because today I try not to bring confusing, confusion and strife. I mean, I, I was just sharing about this at a meeting the other night. You know, my favorite thing to do used to be to pick a fight with a bank, an insurance company, a waitress, or a shopkeeper. You know, my policy, you know, who do you think you are? Who's your boss? Let me talk to the manager. This isn't right. And, um, you know, today, I don't do that. Today, especially today, because I have some things in my life where I, I need people to help me. And I, it's, it's not just because I need people to help me that I don't act that way, but I'm really grateful that, thank God, that I've changed because I need people to help me. And um, today I understand people that, especially on the phone, customer service people, you know, I treat them, I make sure that I know who they are, you know, what their name is, and I use their name, and I tell them what my problem is, and I ask them what they think I can do to solve it, and can they help me, and I'm absolutely respectful and I'm telling you it works that people bend over backwards for me I mean and it seems effortless to me and um, you know I I can go anywhere Uh, Janice made me laugh with the manicure thing they're always getting I mean they you know people booking things like that where you know they have to they don't really sell their skill they sell their time on the chair you know that it's important to say yes I can wait because that helps the customer that got booked ahead of you by accident and that helps the manicurist who depends on you your business and your tip and you know i i today i have excellent relationships with everybody that i that i cross cross paths with no longer am i a bulldozer a bully i'm not like that anymore and in fact if anybody calls me for help the first thing that i say is Oh, I'm so glad that you called me. I'm going to try to help you. You know, I mean, my job itself is to help people and um, in a certain way. And, you know, I'm, I'm eager to do that. And I don't think of it as a chore. And I thank people for helping me. And, you know, they really, really appreciate it. You know, unlike, you know, how I used to be with that kind of behavior. And as far as you know, my food goes, this, it's just not an issue for me. I mean, people are talking about vacations. I went to Italy and um, I had no problem at all, at all. You know, I, I was able to eat in every restaurant and abstinently with no problem at all. And um, we, that was followed by a trip to England, which was not quite as enjoyable as food wise, but also was able to eat completely abstinently. And, um, you know, I had a wonderful, Time. wonderful, wonderful trip. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy P. And Katie G., you're up, followed by Russ M. Good morning, Lisa H. Good morning, my family. This is Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. And let your friends know they are not to change their habits on your account. And um, I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, I need my husband to understand, or I'm looking for a boyfriend or girlfriend who understands my program. 
And I too, I mean, for a long time I was like, oh, wouldn't it just be e- easier to shop in the room of Overeaters Anonymous? And um, thank you, God, today, like, I'm not asking my husband to change his habits and I'm not, he doesn't need to understand my program. He may never, like I'm the one that needs to at my core understand I have no power, no choice or control around the food and what that means. But he is not to stop eating sugar, flour, going out to restaurants, drinking alcohol, just because I do. And I'm not going to ask my children to either. Why? Because I'm the one with the problem. And I'm not to dictate to other people. They are not to change their habits. And this has been something that I've actually said to my in-laws. Like, oh, well, do you, they've said, do you want us to do this? Do you want us to do that? Like, I don't need them to understand. In fact, my father-in-law and I always joke, because every time he sees me, he's like, I'm so sorry, you can't have this, or you should, and I'm like, it's okay, you know, like, um, but I don't, again, I don't need them to understand, I'm the one with the problem, I'm the one that simply needs to take the actions, if I make it a big deal, it's a big deal for other people, and I think about all the years that I spent, uh, you know, in Overeaters Anonymous with, quote, unquote, my abstinent food, it's mine, don't touch it, you know, and, and, and binge watching on Netflix with the, with the shades down, but I'm abstinent and grateful. Thank you, God. And, um, and I can still get that way. Like, am I getting too attached to my food when at the end of the day, it's just food? Or, you know, am I willing to not have one of the foods that I eat for a day? Am I willing to go away on vacation and, oh my gosh, I can't have that vegetable, whatever. I'm supposed to be in a place of neutrality, but I have to keep looking at this, right? Or am I leaning back to Towards getting attached to these odd ways like I'm supposed to be free with food and am I am I being controlling around it or am I going out and just living life and okay so what so I go out to a restaurant and I don't get the best meal well you know what it's okay no one's gonna die no one's gonna die if you're not hundred percent satisfied my job is to be in a place where what I can be of maximum service to others because it's death of self right this isn't about the food it's about me helping others others today. Um, So, you know, I can gently explain why food disagrees with me, but I don't have to shove it down people's throat. I don't need to let them know, like, I don't need to do a monologue on Overeaters Anonymous. I can carry the message. And um, what a privilege that we have these directions. And I don't have to isolate no matter what. I can be a part of this beautiful world just for today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Russ M., you're up, followed by Larry K. Morning, Lisa. Good morning, fellas. Russ M. Recover compulsive over here outside of Philly. So long face. Whew. I was a miserable and and a royal pain in the rear end. And uh, you know it was I, I, me, me. I, I mean, when I think of this, going out and being involved with different things, and you know, for, 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 for example, you know, I can remember almost every Christmas Eve. A couple couple days before my grandfather would say, what are you going to eat? Like, that that night had to revolve around me because I had issues with food. And then by the time it was all over, I ate everything anyway. It had not, you know. But he, I would stress my grandpa out. I had an uncle that passed away who I loved. We were really close. And, and I, I almost didn't go to the viewing cause I, or the funeral or the occasion, that, you know, the whole ceremony. Because I was worried about if I'm going to get, or they're going to have the right food for me. In the meantime, I go and I abuse anyway. It was so self-centered. And, uh, 
You know, you know, I did this in just every aspect of my life. The, the food was the, the most apparent, and it robbed me of so many different things. You know, relate. You know, in in the in the circumstance, whether it was a networking thing, you know, it cost me a business deal, or uh, if it, if it was with my family, precious time with cousins that I don't see all the time, or even with my immediate family, my wife and kids, and then. All of a sudden, you know, it, with, with, with this beautiful program, it shifted. It shifted. I can't put my finger on it. Like, I'm not going to tell you I did this. We know how it was. You work the program, you get closer to God, and these things start, start coming off you, like scales off your eyes. And the kicker is this. I, I've said it before, you know, the, the first 11 steps, you know, you're working on yourself, getting right with people, God and all. But when you get into the 12th step, it's like something changes. It's, it's like a, you know, a metamorphosis. You can't help but serve someone else, and it becomes a natural behavior. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but now I'm not complaining and bitching about doing the things that I should be doing, and I'm doing it happy. It's, it's crazy. So I, I just – my point is, is that, you know, it takes us out of ourselves. The whole thing is ourselves. And this 12th step is key for, you know, your spiritual awakening out of the food and getting out of yourself. It's beautiful. Have a beautiful day. Love you guys. Thank you, Russ M. And Larry K., you're up, followed by Leah S. Thanks so much um, for, for your service. You know, we're talking about um, – we're talking about the withdrawal from life little by little. Um, even among those who affiliate with this program but have not done the work required, you know, to have a spiritual transformation. And, and you know, for me, life began to change when I became awakened that I had a seemingly hidden spiritual malady. You know, the, the food was never my problem. The food was merely a manifestation of this profound spiritual disconnection from a higher power and that's what these steps do is they they treat that and the impulse to blame people or my parents or my spouse for my problems they begin to lose their power you know that that the the profound and corrosive sense of shame we feel over our own behavior begin to lift when we understand that this can be transcended by the work, the work done in these steps, and then the grace of a loving creator. And this in no way is to dismiss, you know, my environment as a factor of who and what we are. Rather, it's an understanding, you know, that my upbringing did not make me into a compulsive overeater. I mean, if that were so, then there wouldn't be a single person on the line this morning who had a happy childhood, who has a wonderful partner or a great job or piles of cash, that's not so, right? That's not so. See, I'm reminded in this, in this text, selfishness, self-centeredness, that, my friends, is the root of my problem. And I remember reading that Carl Jung, you know, the great psychologist we read about, he used the notion of the shadow self you know, that unknown dark side of the personality. He said the shadow self was often very instinctive, and yet it was irrational. 
and it was driven by a sense of inferiority. See, I can feel inferior and still be self-centered. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. I didn't understand that I could feel bad about myself, and there you have it. I'm thinking about myself, myself, myself. These steps allowed me to stop thinking so much about myself. God lifted me up where I needed to be lifted up, and he brought me back down where I needed to be brought down. We talk about being right-sized. That's what these steps did. I don't have to withdraw anymore. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Leah S., you're up, followed by Harlan G. Thank you so much. This is Leah S. It is really hard to follow Larry's um, pitch. Everything resonated so much. Thank you, everyone, for doing service to this line. My name is Leah S., and I'm recovered in Brooklyn. Um, Okay, now getting back into the social life of this world. So what did I used to do? I used to take my binge foods and be in a private place because I didn't never wanted to anyone ever see how much I can consume and what I can consume. And th- those were behaviors that I was doing. And those were behaviors that started changing as I started doing these steps. And um, as I started facing myself in step four and um, facing myself even more when doing step five and then um, doing all the amends and everything else. So uh, what I basically want to say is that when I liked something or when I like something, then if I would want to... Please you, I would give you something that I like. So this past summer, I was working as an assistant in the infirmary and um, in a camp. And um, and some of the uh, some of the kids, they were really um, they were there all the time for bee bites, all the time. And I kept thinking, why why is it that this entire summer? I did not have one bee bite at all, at all. And when I thought about that, I said to myself, wow, these kids have millions of junk lying around. And I was right. I went over to their bunks and I looked around, open boxes and a lot of flies around there. That's what attracted them. And they were living with this, and that's why they had us. So I started to, you know, preaching to everyone, cleanliness and and, and just get your junk. Even if you eat it, just throw it away and blah, blah, blah. Some listened, some did not. At the end of the story, uh, I'm going to end my pitch, I got so many presents, and each present was a wrapped-up bar with something and and this is where I come back. You know, what is important for you, that's what you're going to give to, you know, token of appreciation. So um, so these kids wanted to reward me, and, and, and this is what they did. They brought back these wrappers. But you know what? These wrapped uh, stuff, I gave it away before I even, you know, not in front of Time. them. Yes, I'm wrapping up. But the pleasure 
of doing the service of what I was doing was far outweighed than 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 getting those um those sweets back to me. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S. And Harlan G., you're up. Thank you, Lisa, and thank you to Team Thursday for making this magnificent miracle of a meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Steambath, Scottsdale, Arizona. What are the greatest things we can do during our life? The greatest things we can do in our life is to demonstrate through action what God has done for us and to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And when we read these paragraphs, we see demonstration and we see service. Most of the adults that I knew as a child came out of the concentration camps of Europe. Most of the adults that I knew as a child had the tattoos on their arms with numbers on them. And most of the adults that I knew as a child would grab my face and they would kiss my face and they would say to me, live until you die. What does that mean, live until you die? It means we have been imprisoned by food. We have been beat down by an illness that we didn't understand, we didn't ask for, we couldn't control, we couldn't cure, and we didn't cause. But we can live now if we work the steps and we can be of maximum service and demonstrate through going to places and being of service what God has done for us. Preach the gospel. But if you must use words, we have an opportunity to use action. The Yiddish word for service is dinsk. I don't know how to spell it in English or I would spell it for you. It's dinsk. That's the word for service in Yiddish. And dinsk means that I get an opportunity to stop thinking about me when I am thinking about you. I don't have to obsess egotistically about poor me and I can stop telling the world what people did to me and start demonstrating for the world what God did for me through the working of these steps and with that I will pass thank you thank you Harlan G and it looks like we probably have time for about three more shares Jackie B Jackie B. Julie R. Julie R. Laura M. Rachel W. Laura M. And Rachel, I'll put you on there. Um, I have Jackie B., Julie R., Laura M., and Rachel W. So, Jackie B., please get us started. Hi, I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx. Thank you for your service. Can I be heard? You can. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Um, this, I am so grateful that I had time to get here on time on this, uh, broadcast. Everybody shares is my story. Um, I'm abstinent and recovered two years, um, this month. And I am amazed how my life has transformed. Does that mean that I have no clutter in my house? Absolutely not. Does that mean that I don't have to interact with my husband, my wife, my job? 
my wife, my husband, my daughter, my uh, job and everything? No, it does not. It means that I have to live life. It means that I have to be present working my program. I have to touch my program every single day in order to be of service to everybody else in the world. And that's the difference today. Um, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that, you know what, we may start out to go to one restaurant, my family, and when I get there, I look at the menu and I don't feel comfortable and I may or may not have my food with me, I say, okay, I'll have a, a, a drink, a beverage. And I'll sit through there and be present, listen to the conversations, talk, whatever. And when they're over, I'll go home or I'll, and I'll get my abstinent food. That's the difference today. It's also not being scared to say how I feel um, when, you know, asked a question. You know, it's funny. My family wanted to go on vacation, and we don't have the money, and we don't have the time. It's almost close time to school. And it's so funny. Let me, let me butter her up. That's what my husband said. Today, I said the truth. I said, be honest. I have felt my higher power say, be honest with them. Tell them what the situation is. I did. They didn't like it, but they accepted it. You know, that's the difference. I can go through that ring of fire today because I have my recovery. I have the steps. I have the tools to go through that ring of fire and come out unscorched. And that's the difference. I can only give you visual things because today I am disciplined through God. I am disciplined through the recovery. I am disciplined because I have sponsees. I have a sponsor. I am disciplined because I listen and I read the big book and I, I interpret it today, not go and say, oh, I hate this big book. Or it's too much reading, you know? No, I don't negotiate. What I do is I keep myself open, honest, and willing. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie B. And Julie R., you're up, followed by Laura M. Hi, thank you. This is Julie R., recovered compulsive overeater in California. And, you know, it brings a smile to my face to think about, you know, where I was before when I just had abstinence to where I am now as a recovered woman. I, too, um, would not go to certain restaurants. I wouldn't go out with certain people. I had fear when I had customers coming because I would eat the huge muffins when they were on the tour, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was just panic. It was that white knuckle, afraid. And, you know, when I had that battle, I I would rarely win because um, my food obsession was so strong. So, you know, it says here, you know, if you're a with person who wants to eat at a bar, by all means go. Um, I have children when they come to visit from uh, college. They want that special Sunday breakfast that I always make. You know, I'm not going to say no because I'm not afraid of it. It's just neutrality. Um, and it's like, you know, people, few people, it says, will continue to ask you to eat something once you tell them that you're in a program or that you don't do this. Again, I'm with customers constantly, and they even know it. Our top defense customers will say, oh, don't pass it to her. She doesn't eat it. it and it's not a negative thing. They they don't ask me. It's it's My husband would never think of asking me to eat something, but yet I would never think 
to not have something in the house that my husband enjoys. So, you know, how can I be of maximum service to all people? It's to be free. And how do I become free and neutral? By working the steps and enlarging my spiritual life so that I don't have to have white knuckle. I mean, I have, I'm almost have four years again, and I was in the depth of despair. I could not stop eating. I think I shared that I had gained 40 uh, or 70, I don't know, of my 150 back in four months. I was an animal. I was afraid to leave. And today, it's like I go anywhere and do anything. I'm always around food. I just, I just make sure that um, I work my program. And it's so exciting that I can look back to where I was. And I loved Kim's analogy of the bread. I cracked up. How many times did I tell them, don't bring the bread? Because I would eat five baskets by myself. So today, you know, I can um, go to this meeting today surrounded by food. And I might even help dish it out. Who knows? We're, it's a buffet for our, our, our company. But you know what? I have a God that's bigger than anything. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julie R. And Laura M., you're up. Thank you. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? I sure can. Okay, great. This is Laura M. in Missouri, and I am working my recovery one day at a time, and I'm not there yet. Um, But I am so grateful, especially for this morning and these last few days and listening to all your shares. Up to this point, I have felt, for the most part, pretty secure and, you know, go anywhere and can find um, something. If, you know, if I need to eat, I can find something or I can bypass and I've been perfectly comfortable. But today I am headed out of town and I have a family wedding to attend tomorrow and I have been so apprehensive about having that social setting surrounded by, you know, that atmosphere that in my past, um, that would just be an evening of grazing because of my social anxiety and because of my compulsions and be, you know, very uncomfortable. And I've just been real apprehensive about um, how to stay in my recovery mindset going into this situation. And it's just been so encouraging to hear all of your stories this morning and and I just know that you know what I've said from the beginning when I don't see it myself when I don't feel it myself I can stand on your shoulders I can stand on the promises and the actions and the rewards that I hear and that I see in other recovered fellows and um, so I um, I now I know some things that I can do going into this weekend so that I can be prepared and I know that I can step away and make a phone call or different things that I can do to um, keep my mind set right. So I just wanted to say um, thank you and I'm so grateful to be part of this fellowship. And I pass. Thank you, Laura M. And we've come to the end of our Um, meeting. Rachel W., I hope you'll stay on for the second hour. Thank you to everyone who shared today. Uh, The share ID for this morning, Thursday, August 30th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 11,855.
That's 11855. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Jen A. please read, our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Jen A. Recovered in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something that you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.